I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're gonna have some real healing. We've gotta have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's East Side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. This is What's Next. I'm host Thomas O'Neill White, and I'm really excited for the conversation we're going to have today on the topic of restorative justice. Joining me today is a previous guest, Erie County Restorative Justice Executive Director, Coalition Executive Director, Dina Thompson, and Cheektowaga Sloan District Assistant Superintendent Janelle Finn. Thank you both for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. us. Thank you so much. Uh, Dina, you've been on before, and I recall our our last conversation um, probably September of 2022. Mm -hmm. um, As you were leaving um, after coming on What's Next, you said, you know, something great is happening in the Sloan School District. I can't wait to tell you more. And here we are. I want to back up first and talk about restorative justice. I think a lot of our audience has some sort of understanding of it, but if you could just um, give a a brief summary of what that is, please. Okay. Um, I'm going to give us a summary of restorative practice. I do think that most people do know about restorative justice. Restorative justice really has to do if a harm, a crime, or a conflict has occurred about bringing people together and having a conversation to come up with ways to heal the harm or and restore the relationship. So that's restorative justice. Um, Restorative practice is a continuum of practice of how we positively engage with each other. And so there are a lot of different things that we can do for engagement from self-care. We can't take care of other people or engage positively with other people unless we're taking care of ourselves. And then it's a a different stages of engagement from having one-on-one conversations, smaller group conversations, and then the more formal of what a lot of people um, have heard about is these restorative practice circles. And circles are about bringing people together to build those strong, positive communities, um, bringing people together also to maybe address some things or issues that they're seeing in community or for um, our purpose today, seeing um, in our school systems, but making sure that people are most impacted by uh, building those communities or addressing different issues in the community that they are present. So it's really about strong, positive relationships, building those strong, positive communities, and then having a process within that continuum restorative justice when harm occurs. So how did this come about? How did you get into the Cheektowaga Sloan School District with this with this plan? Okay, I think I'm gonna let Janelle kind of chime okay. in here and talk about so this relationship. our journey began in 2018-19. One of my counselors went to a workshop with Dina and learned about restorative practice. And then she came back, emailed the superintendent and immediately said, we need this. This is going to work for us. <laughs> so the superintendent, Mrs. Glensky, reached out to me. She said that this sounds amazing. She asked that I reach out to Dina and get some more information. So at that point, we decided we wanted to get stakeholder input. So it was really important. We started off with Dina 
presenting to the administrative team and having us give us an overview of the paradigm shift and what was involved in restorative practice and the commitment that it would take as well. And then after we saw it, we were in love. We thought, this is great. This is exactly what we need. And we wanted to have some teacher input as well. So at that point, we invited the student support teachers, which includes counselors, social workers, school psychologists, anyone who supports students in those capacities across the district. Uh, Dina did a presentation for them as well with her team, and they felt the same exact way and said, we need to figure this out. So after that, we formed a district restorative practice committee that has representation from pre-K to 12, um, all the administration, all the student support, along with teacher reps at every grade level. And that's kind of where our journey began. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Simply amazing. Yeah, and there's about 35 people on that yep, team. it's a big um, team. It's a big team. And our general rollout plan has been that Dina works with the team and trains them a year before we do general rollout. So we wanted to have multiple experts and resources in the building for people to be able to rely on, ask questions to. So the, the model that we had is we spend whatever we train the Restorative Practice District Committee in one year. Next year, the year after that, is when we roll it out to the whole faculty and staff. So then you have 35 people across the district that you know would be considered experts or at least more comfortable right. than others that they could get as a resource as well. It was really important to build in that level of structure and uh, support for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that was a that's a year before the rollout? Yeah. So we started 2018-19 is when we had the conversations, did the stakeholder okay. meetings. And then the 2019-20 school year is when we actually started. And we went kind of big. And uh, September big. 3rd, 2019, Dina came to our district and, and presented to the entire family faculty and staff, every single person in our district. So it included teachers, teacher aides, included cafeteria, custodial, nurses, clerical, administration. We were all in one gigantic room, and Dina kind of went through (laughs) with her team, gave us an overview of the the concepts behind that, the paradigm shift, and she introduced the concepts of circles. And so we participated in a gigantic district circle, and that was our beginning of our journey. For those that have who don't know about the circles. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so our circles are really about giving people the ability to be seen and heard um, as they are or as they show up. Um, mm-hmm. And so the circles really start with what we call as a check-in, um, allowing people to be present, to express how they are feeling, maybe express some needs that they might have for the day. Um, circles also include a community building question. Um, community building questions. So when we talk about strong, positive Relationships build strong, positive communities. Unless we know each other, um, we can't have a relationship with each other. So the circles are really about focusing on how do we build those strong, positive relationships? How do we support people in the way that they are showing up? And then how do we gather resources around if we don't have the capability to be able to do that? How do we get the resources to people so that they can be their best self? Um, so that 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 school I will say district-wide introduction of restorative practices was really about introducing how are we showing up at work and how are we connecting when we show up. And so we did that check-in. We did a community building round, and it was a lot of laughter in the place. Um, Mm. And the the community building questions can be very low level as something as funny as what is your favorite superhero? Um, If you had one superpower, where would it be? Um, Check-in is how are you feeling on a scale of one to five? Um, one is terrible, five is amazing, and giving uh, a, a feeling word for that. What we have noticed, um, especially um, after COVID-19, is that the social-emotional 
um, level of engagement and being aware about how we are feeling um, coming into places um, has been on a decline. Yes. And so people showing up and being able to express or have a space to be able to express the way that they are feeling is really, really important, especially for academic success, right? So if I'm showing up in a way where I'm feeling angry or hungry or if I'm feeling depressed, um, it is hard to be able to take in information and learn if that's the way I'm showing up. Uh, with a simple check-in every morning, we are able to give both students and staff yes. the resources they need to be able to be their best self. So if a student is showing up angry because they're hungry, then it's a simple fix, right? We're just going to make sure they're having something to eat. But we also realize that that might be impacting behavior. Um, mm -hmm. If something is uh, that they are aware of that happened on social media, um, and that is affecting the way that they are uh, expressing emotions. So they might be a little bit more triggered by something because they're coming in feeling maybe a little bit anxious about something they read or something they heard on social media. And that can impact the way that they show up. It can impact the way they respond to certain uh, requests made by adults or staff in the building. And just doing a simple checkup, checkup, check-in in the morning or in the afternoon or midday, um, just as long as we're checking in with each other, can really change the trajectory of, of, of a student or an adult's um, and, behavior. And when you say each other, it's not just, okay, a teacher or a faculty member checking in on a student. It's student to student. It's student to teacher, teacher to faculty, teacher to teacher. Am I, am I wrong? No, that's correct. I, I think that this is for our at Chictawaga Sloan, we do circles now in every setting that we have. So we start all of our leadership meetings as we have our, our administration team meets quite frequently. We meet once a month. We start all of our meetings off in a circle. Um, our PTO, which is our parent organizations, now start off in a circle as well. So we've tried to like bring the circle to every single one of our spaces, like faculty meetings, showing that it's really important to us and build it into the day-to-day -day work that we do. And it's just a really great way to start off. Like people feel seen, they feel heard. Um, they, if they're having a rough day, we know that we can provide them extra support. So it, it does cut down on a lot of things that may occur because you just didn't bother to, you know, check in with a kid to see if, if they're having a, and they report being a two, I'm going to make sure I get over there, check in with that kid and see what I can do to help them get into a better space and place. So I think it's a very simple thing, but it makes a world of a difference just to check in with people. I think, um, Janelle highlighted something um, that's great, and, and so did you, Thomas, in saying that it's not just the responsibility of the teachers to check in. Is mm -hmm. upon hearing um, how we are feeling in a community, we equip the community to also respond. And so to that peer-to-peer, -peer, um, I just want to congratulate the whole Chictawaga Sloan School District because we are in the midst of training the students, too. Yeah. So it is important for peer-to-peer um, -to, -peer to have good relationships with each other. We know a lot of teachers have good relationships with students, mm -hmm. but students to students don't always have great relationships with each other. So the importance of the circle is really for students to see and hear each other and be able to meet each other's needs in a positive way. Absolutely. And there has to be, or there had to be a lot of, you know, getting that buy-in yeah. from the top down yeah um how did how did how did that work out i mean how did that how'd you how'd you get everyone to just hey this is what we're doing um was it was it tough 
you know what it 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 was um interesting along the way i wouldn't say it was tough but we just we as you know whenever you get into something like this you're learning so much about it mm-hmm. and i'm very grateful for dina and her team at ecrjc because we kind of like went yeah this is great but then where do we start you know so it was one of those <laughs> things where i went i'm not really sure so the partnership with dina and ecrjc has been critical so when we decided to do this i didn't know where to begin at all truthfully so my i know that my superintendent fully supported it. She wanted this to happen. We had stakeholders saying, yes, this is it, but we're all a little uncertain. We weren't sure what to do. You also have the dimension of that, like students aren't, and I'll put that in their faculty, staff, and students are Mm -hmm. not always used to being vulnerable. And and there is a little bit of vulnerability that comes out when you're you're doing this type of work. So that was, I think, one of the biggest shifts is getting people to just feel comfortable to kind of sit around and be a little bit more vulnerable. Um, So I think that when Dina started off, she provided us with like a three year suggested rollout and she said this is a commitment like if you're doing this it's three years like this is not something that happens overnight she reminds me constantly it's restorative <laughs> practice not restorative perfect I, I, it's, <laughs> it's the truth you're out you know there's there's times to you're going to make mistakes things aren't going to be well but I think what has gotten us through it is our partnership our community partnership and the fact that administration and faculty staff are all on the same page like we believe in this mission as a whole that and so you work out the things along the way as, as you go through. And I think it's just been uh, important to be reflective and, and change along the way. So when we started off this journey, it was it was kind of a lot because you're, now you're putting people in circles that have never really had conversations like that. And there was reporting of feeling awkward and uncomfortable. And even our high school kids, they were like, uh, no, no, <laughs> you know, like, no, thank you. This is not where we're going right now. They're very worried about being, you know, uh, picked on by their peers if they say something that might be a little vulnerable yeah. or opening yeah. themselves up like that's the worst thing that could happen yeah. right so I think it was just taking that people might be uncomfortable with this into consideration as well and then just creating a space where people can be heard first and I think that's where Dina's team came in the biggest thing that I can take away is that importance of bringing values and guidelines mm-hmm. into the conversation Dina really has taken me years <laughs> to understand that concept but you really want to understand where people are coming from what values do you bring into the circle what do you need when you come into this space? What do you bring into this space that you can do to support somebody else in the circle that might need help too? She does this great paper plate activity where you start on the front of the plate, you list your values and what's important to you. And on the back of the plate, you list what you need from the group uh, Mm. as far as that goes. So when people share out, you can say, I bring this and I need this. And then you kind of know where people are coming from while you're in that space. You got to create that safe space first and that opportunity to grow and learn, I think is really critical. I think it's been really helpful, um, especially for teachers and the support staff, too, to know what kids bring when they're their best self and then also what they need when they're not. And so instead of, you know, really in a traditional way of disciplining in schools, if a a student isn't meeting the expectation, we usually use punishment as a a deterrent. Right. Um, But. With the value example that Janelle just gave, if we're flipping over the plate, we can find out what a student needs. And so if I'm, you know, bringing um, honesty and I need empathy, I am really going to stop and listen to that that kid if they are 
not feeling their best self. I'm going to give them empathy right now instead of giving them um, a task to do or something or just telling them to be quiet or to move or I don't have time for you right now. Because what I know what this child needs right now to get back to their best self is empathy. And when we talked about that restorative practice um, continuum, it's just a small conversation that we're training people to do what we feel that people naturally do, right? It's implicit Mm -hmm. in us. We train to make it explicit for people. So we're giving the people the language to have these short conversations to make people feel seen and heard and giving them what they need at the time so that they can get back to them their best self and be less likely to um, exhibit challenging behavior. Dina, you talk about a, a whole culture model a lot. What does that mean? Um, Well, uh, exactly what Janelle said. It's soup to nuts. It goes from (laughs) the uh, superintendent and the superintendent's office also practicing restorative practices and modeling that all the way down to the cafeteria staff. So it's an equitable process. Everyone is a part of being able to um, offer some kind of restorative response uh, within it. So it's not just a lot of uh, implementation programs really focus on the teachers doing this. They don't have admin support um, in doing this. Um, what Cheektowaga Sloan has done is they have valued everyone who is in the building by introducing the whole entire school culture shift. And so this is the way we used to be. This is what we're doing now. Um, and they have done that not only in the practice of it, but it's on their website. So you can go to the Chictawaga Sloan um, Union Free School District website and see um, practicalities of how to uh, use restorative practice, answer questions about restorative practice, and then also get some practice on there. I just noticed they have for parents um, a few things that parents can do to engage positively with their kids at home. So there's some practice also from parents. So when I say a culture shift, this isn't what we do, it's who we are. So restorative mm-hmm. practice is who Cheektowaga Sloan Union Free School District is because this is what we're constantly doing. We have shifted from the old way of education and embraced a level of social-emotional intelligence as well as academic um, success. I think it's a major paradigm shift. It's going from, in general, in education, traditional to more of a restorative overall take on things. And restorative is that kind of power and authority card that, like, you know, consequences coming into things, things like that. And the restorative is is, is what does that person need to be able to get to a better space? You're thinking about the person, the person who may have done the harm, and the person who was harmed, and everybody else that was maybe present during that as well. So it's I think it's it seems at first there's some misunderstanding I think that some people think like restorative practice might be the easy way out. Like maybe you're, you know, going back and saying, oh, well, you're reducing that suspension or that kid isn't suspended. But the truth of it is it's a lot harder to accept responsibility and to own up to what you did. It's a lot easier to sit home for a couple of days, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in all mm-hmm. reality, I think when you when it's done well and done in a way that is um, always thinking about what people need, I think it's actually more challenging when, when they have to sit down and admit what they did and make mm-hmm. it right. Mm-hmm. So your the first year that you guys started it was mm-hmm. uh, 2019 20, yep. 20. Mm-hmm. How did COVID, COVID th- throw <laughs> COVID. a monkey wrench into those yes. plans? It it did throw a bit of a challenge, and I will admit that we didn't. You know, the next school year, the 2021 school year, we were in a hybrid model, mm-hmm. which means the kids were only in person two days a week, and we had the group split. So we really were challenged. We didn't want to let this go, and in fact. 
I think if anything, you know, came out of COVID is that we needed this more than anything. Like the social emotional needs of people became at the forefront. Like it was, you could not ignore this anymore. People's needs were, they needed help. It was really the truth. So in 2021, it was very challenging because we had the hybrid year. So we chose as a district committee to hone in on our practice. We we focused on the district website. We've thought about like, well, we did our research. We educated ourselves more on the paradigm shifts and the different concepts behind that. And and then we, we went on to, um, we had the district committee build that website where we had all the information on our website was the basic thing that we did during that year. And then the team continued to work with Dina on different things. Um, we focused on effective language, which is like a, a, a way to communicate with kids. Mm-hmm. So we practiced a lot of that kind of language, especially when kids were struggling and things like that. We were able to kind of shift the way we speak to kids. So that's what we did during the, the COVID year. That was pretty tough. And I will tell you that 21-22, when everybody came back to full-time school, that's when things got really challenging because it was right. one of the toughest years of my 24-year career, to be honest with you. People came back, everybody, faculty, staff, students, families, people were struggling. They went through something very traumatic on multiple levels, um, and it was a very challenging year for behaviors and um, the, the just the feel of it. It was, I mean, kids had not really been in school full-time so now to say come back every day and be in school full-time that was a challenge for many of our students they were used to having a lot more flexibility mm-hmm. things like that so 21 22 was extremely extremely hard now, so d- did you did you change up any plans or yes. processes because of that yes yes we did we really honed in now on the um, individual faculty meetings mm-hmm. and providing more um, individualized professional learning for the teachers based on what they were experiencing with their because it was different at the pre-k we have pre-k to two building I have a three to five building I have a six to eight building and a, and a, and a nine to twelve so all of those presented differently based on what the kids you know developmentally were going through so we moved towards like a monthly faculty meeting where people were sharing us with the challenges they were experiencing um, and we tried to respond to that with specific training of things that they could use in a virtual setting because now they're on kids you know two days a week in person and Mm -hmm. so we did use circles quite a bit during that time to help kids process their feelings and to work through things as they were getting challenged for sure so it did impact what we were doing i was going to say um when we talked about the, the the whole school culture shift right um restorative practice isn't just for kids like I remember a lot of the teachers and staff processing through this circle. So processing ideas, processing their own emotions. And a a lot of times, especially when we're transitioning back, unfortunately, I I still feel that we transitioned back from COVID like COVID never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so true. Yeah. And we were all impacted by by, by the loss, the grief. We never truly grieved um, what was happening. And that spilled over into the schools. And it spilled over into school. It's still spilling over into our society. Um, which is why we're still trying to catch up. But we were um, using uh, restorative practice to check in with teachers to yeah. see what they, they needed because this was a hard transition back for them too. And so that whole school culture shift is like we see everyone here. Um, and so it is important because we see everyone to actually be able to meet you where you are and give you the supports and resources you did that you need. And I saw that a lot with teachers, a shift in the way teachers were beginning to support each other and the teams that they developed t- together. Um, we had buildings talking to buildings. And yeah. so people weren't just talking within their own, um, like K through, you know, second grade building or eighth grade or high school building, but they were actually talking across, um, uh, grade levels. And so I thought that was really, really encouraging. And I think one too. of the major 
change that we did in response. We knew it was going to be challenging coming back in 21-22 after being uh, half half hybrid like that. Um, but we added something called a restorative practice liaison to each of the buildings, mm-hmm. which is like a stipend position um, where the teachers take on like a leadership role related to restorative practice. That allowed me at that point to differentiate what the schools needed. So that person was like working directly with me and telling me like, well, you know, these are the things that are going well. This is what's not going well. Could you help us with this? This is the kind of training the teachers need. And from there, we developed individual building plans that were responsive to those needs. Mm-hmm. And the restorative practice liaisons manage those plans and, and work with me to make sure. So they tell me what kind of professional learning is needed. Then I work with Dina and we arrange for that professional learning. So it's coming right out of what's needed. Another thing that I think that we did was very successful is we changed the master schedule. Mm-hmm. We took we made an mm-hmm. advisement, advisement period in the middle of the day at the 6 through 12 level. It kind of restorative practice naturally lends itself in the elementary levels. People tend to start off in a morning meeting or some sort of way to start off. But when you get to that 6 to 12, when you're talking like about 40 minute periods, how Mm -hmm. do you fit this in when we're so content driven all the time too as well? So I think that that was a a really important shift to have that happen as well. So what does that look like then uh, if you have like a a midday yeah. Are you are you getting all the students together? And, yes, and but basically what we did is we took the entire student cohort in 6 to 12 and we broke them up into about 12 kids per group and every adult in that during that time shuts down everything and sits with those 12 kids and they participate in a circle. And then on top of that we had another teacher do a uh, curriculum advisement. They came up with a curriculum for that. And so they were that curriculum was very responsive to the needs of the kids and to things that we were seeing. We would study like behavior reports to see like like maybe we had an excess of disrespectful behavior, like talking back or something like that. Well, then the advisement lessons would include some lessons on how you should be, you know, interacting with one another. So they were very responsive. So the, the curriculum is created for the teachers by this peer who creates it based on, you know, so just good social emotional things as well, on top of being responsive to things that are happening as well. So this curriculum is given. So they sit down, the teacher pulls that up, and then they carry it out in a circle format. So they've had, okay. you know, community building circles where they get to know each other, maybe tougher topics, you know, when things come up in the community that we gave some space from talked about those things and built those in as well. So I think that was a really uh, important shift when we when we went to the liaisons that was helpful. And if you mm-hmm. remember, in March 2022, um, we did restorative practice circles with the teachers yes. about their mental health yes. in response to COVID. Mm-hmm. So, so I, important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we can't like they're not, you know, we're the adults, but we're suffering too. We, like people could not be them best their best selves based on things that were going on. And we needed to provide and rep our teachers and support as well. And I think that for me, what happened in that year is that they saw the value of it yes. in themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it helped them feel a little bit better. They felt seen and heard. We got a lot of positive feedback. And that's when I kind of think it maybe took off a little bit more mm-hmm. to say like, look, this helped me. I think maybe we can try this and help our kids more. Yeah. And I, I love that meeting because they just walked away just feeling. You could feel the, the, the weight was lifted off of them after that. But I think, see, here's the importance, right? You have district wide leadership leading by example. Right. And that's the buy in. And so when staff members see that the district is leading by example, then they're more likely to say, hey, I'm going to jump on board. And so that's when we increase buy in. Um, Buy in is this isn't going away. 
not only are you going to practice this, but we're going to practice this too. Yes. And here we are. It was very, yes, it's still here. It's still here. It's still a lot here. of things in education, sometimes you just wait it out and it goes away. But this, yeah. is, this is one of those things that is not going away because it really made a difference for people and how they feel. And that was, I think, out of COVID, that's what people needed more than anything was just there was such a need mm-hmm. to support people social emotionally after COVID. Like it was in our face. It was like, mm-hmm. I think something happened where it was like, we can't just focus on academics anymore. Like I know that people don't, we've always focused on social emotional, but there is a grand push for, uh, you know, for the curriculum part of it. We have, we have a very intense curriculum mm-hmm. in New York state. And I think that that takes away sometimes from the people part of it, you know? Yeah. So it's, this was like, we have to figure out how to do both. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and I, I, I think you, you, Janelle and I always tease that there needs to be this as a subject, like there needs to be a subject for restorative practice. And so we talk about, you know, we let's fit it in our schedule for 20 minutes, but it is as important. Your emotional intelligence is just as important as your IQ. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we need to value that for our our overall well-being. Um, So I. I mean, we, we, we joke about it, but I, I'm really serious. I really feel I value this so much that I feel like it should be part of our, yeah. our ongoing curriculum. Some sort of social emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like for an example with the advisement, we put it originally in the middle of the day. So this is an example of flexibility. And our high school team said that that really wasn't a great time to put it. It kind of disrupted the day because like you're going from academics, to academics, you stop around 1020, do this like middle thing and then go back to academics. So they made a change this year and we were fully in support of that to put it at the beginning of the day. Uh-huh. So now it starts off with morning announcements and then they go into their, they start off in their advisements groups that's where they take their attendance so it's a smaller setting and then it it goes from the circles and that it starts the day off on that nice nice tone so I think that they said that that's made a big difference in the school this year and they feel like this is my my principal was telling me at the high school this has been the best year of his career it's just a really great feeling in the school like the faculty and staff are really doing very well with the kids and it's just been an excellent excellent year I I was just going to lift up one thing with Janelle because a lot of times people say, well, restorative practice doesn't work. Um, and so I will lift up the the tenacity and passion for this and that they do it with fidelity. And so they're mm-hmm. not cutting corners on what we're doing. This hasn't been easy. No, it has been no. challenging. That's a conversation so, yes. we're having off air. Yes, yeah. Yes. I, I don't want to at all say that this has been um, easy at all. It has been challenging. There has been ups and downs. There have been people who are the naysayers and maybe a little bit of the laggers. Um, <laughs> but because of their commitment to be able to do this, and not just commitment to say, oh, we do restorative practice, but their commitment to say, no, this is who we are, and this is how we're going to show that we're committed to this practice. And then um, Janelle mentioned um, guidelines and values, which is part of the fidelity practice. Without guidelines and values, we can't see people who they re- how they really are. We can't have a circle without guidelines and values. We can't have address challenging behaviors without guidelines and values because people can't show up as their true self or show up vulnerable um, expressing that they have a need in order to get back to their, their, their best self. And so I think the fidelity piece and their commitment to um, roll out restorative practice with fidelity despite the challenges yeah. I think has mm-hmm. made this work. Yeah, from, from, from our conversation off air, Janelle, it was, it was, there was a, a buy-in and a commitment to trying and failing yes. sometimes. Yeah, and yeah. I think if I could say one thing, 
that's really important. If I, I, we would have given up on this a long time ago. Yeah. If I would have sat down and be like, well, this isn't working. We're done here. Like that could have happened multiple times, especially mm-hmm. during COVID. Yes. And especially with the hybrid year, trying to figure out how to continue training during hybrid instruction. And then the next year after when the kids came back and everybody had very strong social emotional needs and in the definitely had heightened um, behavior issues and things like that drastically during that 21-22 school year. And we have seen all of that shift. We have not had as many serious suspensions and things like that. It's just every year we get less and less and less of that kind of stuff. And I I commend the teachers and the faculty and the staff and the students and the administration for all collaboratively working together to say like, look, this is important. This is mm-hmm. this is about common human you know connection and and knowing how we are the same in so many ways. I uh, wanted to circle back because I had a question about individualized plans. Sure. Obviously, there's there's the buy-in. It's it's created more than just well, this is this is what the entire school is doing. Individualized plan is that is that building to building yes. or is that is not 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 just uh, you know teacher to teacher. No, it's building to building. So we have, as I was saying, four different buildings. And so I will use like Woodrow Wilson, who is my three to five building. Mm-hmm. We, we happen to have our social worker that we hired was formerly worked for Dina and was trained like a train the trainer type person wow. for restorative practice. So we got very fortunate. <laughs> it's not coincidental, I have to say. We Yes, it's been great. We were very lucky to get her. But um, she came in with such a wealth of knowledge that that particular school was able to really kind of move quicker because they had basically like a Dina built right into the school with them. So that school moved a lot quicker because one of our major goals was putting it into our discipline procedures to have it like built right into what we do for kids. Like if a kid does something inappropriate in a classroom, sometimes the teacher like it's hard to like have that kid come back in without having a conversation with the kid first about that. So those are the kind of things that we were trying to really want to build in. So Woodrow Wilson, for example, they're a bit farther ahead. This has been in their discipline procedures since very early on because Mm -hmm. we had Alyssa. So they're kind of helping the other school figure out like how to where where might it fit into your if you feel go on and you fill out a form for a discipline referral where does this process fit into it Mm -hmm. you know in every school we're allowing them to like be flexible with that that looks different at the high school than it does at a pre-k to two building you know so Mm -hmm. we're we're saying what does it work for you how does it work for your team how does it when do you offer circles that works for your your community more what's next to come after this brief message save the date for a holiday treat Buffalo Toronto Public Media and Niagara University's Theatre Department present It's a Wonderful Life as a live radio play on Saturday, December 16th. Enjoy the magic of voice actors, music, and satirical commercials at our downtown studio. Tickets are just $15 at wned.org events. Attention, parents and teachers. Find free learning resources, including lesson plans and videos for all ages at pbslearningmedia.org. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. You're listening to What's Next. Thomas O'Neill White here talking with the Erie County Restorative Justice Executive Director, Dina Thompson. 
and Chictawaga Sloan District Assistant Superintendent Janelle Finn. Talk to me a little bit about um, building up children to lead. Oh, that has been, Dina, she's been so good for me in so many ways, I have to tell you. So when we, for years now, Dina has been saying to me, Janelle, we have to train the kids. We have to get the trains. Again, it helps with that vulnerability piece as mm-hmm. well, because then like it takes a little bit of pressure off the person running the circles in that. So we couldn't swing it. I'll be honest with you. We had challenges with COVID and everything. I, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to work it into the system. Like when is, when are the kids available? Who was going to train them? How would that all work out? Right. So this year we, we said, we have to do this. We have to train the kids. So we we worked with the liaisons, and this is a good example of how it worked. I said, you're going to have to meet with your building principals, and you're going to have to see how this is going to work within your building. How What, what maybe already pre-existing committees do you have that this could be added into? So whatever it was, the long and short of it, each liaison came back, and we have, like, for example, our in our in our high school, they're training um, freshmen. They're training the freshmen in this. So now um, our Debbie, their school specialist from ECRJC, is coming in and training the kids in this whole idea of restorative practice and having them take the lead in it. We started the training as low as third grade. So there are also wow. um, in the third grade building, in the in the Woodrow Wilson building, are three to five, they picked one person from every classroom. So there was like, okay. they figured out how to make yeah. it work. I was sitting around going, how am I going to make this work and train the kids? And then I said to the liaisons, like, I, I've been two years trying to figure this out. You need to work with your teams. And each of them came up with a really creative yeah. model and a way for it to, and it looks different in every building because their needs are different but they figured it out and i I will say and we have the flexibility of how how are we going to how much time we're going to give us and then how do we make this work and we have um charis humphrey is our uh, youth coordinator at um ecrjc and um she comes along with um debbie moharn to um help the kids and speak their language, right? So we, it's got to be fun. So we're not just coming in doing the same two-day training that we do with adults, mm-hmm. but we make the engagement fun. We really uh, center the voice of youth, uh, which is really important. And we talk about um, what is it that you want to, to talk about in the circle? What do you want to do in a circle? And you can't just sit and talk in a circle. Like It has to be fun. So what games can we play? And so how do we make this all turn out that we are having positive engagement with each other? I think the misnomer of restorative practice is that you have to be sitting in a circle in order to engage. And so it's not. It's up. It's moving. We do academic circles. I mean, the, the, the point about um, implementing a restorative practice culture is um, – Speaking in a circle is where we begin to bring community together. Everyone is seen and heard in a circle, and every voice matters. There's an equity of voice in a circle. Mm -hmm. We do recognize that we have to stand up and leave the circle, but we still want to have that restorative response no matter where we are. So um, being able to train uh, the students in doing restorative practice also creates leadership in them. And so they can begin to request a circle. They can begin to have the conversations about um, what they would do if there is a harm that's being done. And so we talked a little bit about effective language, like your natural response, being able to ask the question, what's happening? What are you thinking? What have you thought about since that happened? Um, What do you need right now? Um, How can we make this right? And so it's like taking that language and making that a a normal part of how people are expressing and getting what they need in order to get back to that that center, that best self. Um, And so we know that that is most influential when kids are doing it um, amongst themselves Mm -hmm. and it's more contagious. Um, So we want to equip. We want to empower kids to be able to 
um, center their voice, use their voice to get what they need um, in a positive yeah. way. So in, when at the high school, a lot of times when I sit in on circles, the kids are already kind of running the circles. The teachers mm-hmm. turned it over to them. But we wanted to equip everybody with the skills to be able to do that as well. You know, like just say, oh, here, run this circle. That's when things can, you know, get ner- mm-hmm. people get nervous and uncomfortable. So by training the kids in the particular, I think we're empowering them. We're also a uh, leader in Me 7 Habits mm-hmm. District Pre-K to 12. And these two have gone together very, very well, the restorative practice and leadership, because that's what we're trying to do is get the kids to take these on, the kids to have better communication skills and and be able to um, maybe use some of this effective language when they're in conflict with another peer. Mm-hmm. So it's challenging. But yeah, I'm super excited about the training with the kids and I the kids are loving it. So we're very excited. I, I think it's, it's amazing because your three to five-year-olds will be in high school and you'll have to do anything anymore. They already have <laughs> yeah, the right. skill set. And, yeah. um, as they, and, and they I can grab. tell you, as the kids, we've been doing this now for five years but as the kids roll up they're way more comfortable with it like mm-hmm. when we dropped this in high school there was kids that sat there we're like nope we're not doing this you know <laughs> and then I remember about two years ago Mrs. Galensky our superintendent she does like a superintendent's council where she meets with the kids and gets input from the kids and gets feedback and it was very touching one of the young ladies at the meeting had said that her very best she said when we started this restorative practice stuff I was so unsure she goes we didn't want anything to do with it she goes it's the best time of my day now she goes I love it I'm getting to know people in my class better than I ever have. I'm understanding people better that I see every day. I understand my teacher better. And it brought tears to our eyes mm-hmm. because she really reflected on that. And that's hard when, you know, in high school, and their technology is definitely, kids are used to having their phones mm-hmm. and texting or being behind a computer. Face-to-face communication is very challenging for the mm-hmm. kids. What about trust issues as a, as a challenge? Yeah, that's definitely, I think, that has a lot to do with it, which then I think goes back to those values and guidelines. Like when you come into this space, we are not treating each other like this, X, Y, and Z. There's certain ground rules that you set. Like if someone shares something personal, that's supposed to stay within the circle. Mm-hmm. So those kind of ground lines and guidelines have to be established up front. And you can like damage trust if those things are not followed. You know, like if you put a kid in a circle and you don't talk about those things, kids discloses something that was maybe personal to them, spreads around the school. That's the kind of thing. that you don't want to happen. So I think that there is a huge focus on trust and a need to have very clear guidelines of what is expected. And when they make those mistakes, you got to have conversations to call and and have and say, we don't do this here and talk about why that matters. And I I think um, another important thing to think about is we don't start with the hard conversations, right? We start with conversations that are building trust. And so if we're building trust, we're building connections, then we can get into those deeper level conversations. So so until trust is established, we're not going to talk about things that might um, get spread around the school or something like that. So we, it's a gradual uh, progression to be able to do that. It's community building. I think by getting to know each other in that community space, it builds that trust naturally. And then when you do have those harder conversations, you know, they're, they respect that a little Mm -hmm. bit more, but definitely is a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think Janelle, you touched on this a little bit ago. Um, has the implementation of restorative practices brought down suspensions or was that even, designed to do that in the first place. I know a lot of people tend to look at suspension rates as a framework as to whether students are doing well. Yes. You know what? It, it's 
we have been really focusing on like the community building part of it. And our big major goal, like I was saying, is to get it into the behavior systems that we have. If a kid, let's say a kid has, in a, we have a, something called superintendent's hearings. It's anything above five days of being out of school. You have to go to a special hearing and it has to be approved. Those are for lengthy, lengthy suspensions for more serious infractions. Mm-hmm. We have seen a dramatic decrease in the amount of superintendent's hearings since we have started this process. I mean, this year alone, we're only at three. And that's wow. very, uh, that is a massive massive turnaround and improvement. So the big hearings for certain, we have already have less suspensions overall um, in school and out of school suspensions as well. And our behavior referrals have gone down drastically too as well. So it's shifted our culture for sure. I definitely will add, and it's because, um, as Janelle said, it, it really is because I have a stronger relationship and I know this student, right? I'm less likely to harm people that I am in a relationship with. And so I think the shift has come from, you know, maybe less discipline because I have a relationship with this one student and I know like right now they are going through this certain struggle. And so that conversations have been a little bit deeper and a little bit more understanding, a little bit more reaching out for resources to support students. So the the support, I feel, has been uh, a lot different, yeah. too. Yeah, it's definitely changed. It's our, Like I said, our culture overall is massively improved. Everybody's happy. Like, we've done something, too. My, I call my um, superintendent the positivity queen. But <laughs> she, she made us write, had our district write positivity plans. And every building has to start off with saying how they're going to push positivity among the students, faculty, and staff, things that we can show our gratitude towards them, luncheons, things like that for the teachers, things that we can build in. And we, we have, like, games and things for the kids, different things that make the school feel like they want to be there every day. You know, and I know that's been important to my superintendent. Uh, We've got a little under 10 minutes left. Um, I want to ask you, Janelle um, and Dina, uh, pitching restorative practices to other school districts. Where are we at on that? I'm going to let Janelle talk about <laughs> I, I think that it's a journey is all I can say right now. And that I think it's about deciding that you're committed to putting really people first and their social emotional needs. And if you're willing to do that, and I think that you can, you know, Dina's people and, and her crew have really helped us figure out the plan as we've gone through this, you know, where we have had challenges. I was easily to reach out to Dina and say, Dina, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. How might we help this? And she always had great ideas on how to shift things. So I think what what we're hoping is that is that we can help people who maybe are have been considering this journey and, you know, maybe want a little want to talk through their their way their Every school's different. You know, what are the mm-hmm. needs of their community? I think right. that this has to be shaped to the school. This isn't a cookie cutter. You can't like, you know, she had generally had said to me, this is a three-year commitment only because that's like the paradigm shift. That's what it's going to take to get you to understand the concepts behind this. Right. You know, it's a mental shift that you're working on, and that takes yes. time, and that continues to grow and change. And I think every year we continue to grow and change in that mindset. But that's where I think we want to just help at this point, to just say, like, look, if you're interested in this, um, how can we brainstorm a little bit about how it can be applied to your setting and in, in the setting that you have, but most importantly, to help the kids and the faculty and staff be in a better place. And so, of course, for me, I want every school to be restored. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's my my, my it's desire. It's a big push from the New York State Education yeah. Department as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like um, just to that point, I feel like that's where policy and legislation needs to be um, changed when it comes to um, school education. Like we need to look at our... Um, school and our um, New York State education differently. Yes. We can't push kids out of school. If kids aren't in school, they aren't learning. 
Um, many of our, especially now looking at the statistics of homelessness among youth, poverty among youth, a lot of times school is one of the safest places for our, mm-hmm. our young people to be, um, one of the places where they get most of their needs met. And so I think what we need to really be thinking about is like, what is that paradigm shift? Like what, how are we shifting education from a model that we've been using since 1960? So mm-hmm. um, how do we shift that model and how do we make it uh, to fit the students that we are serving today? And I just think that restorative practice is a, a start um, to that. Um, I think it's part of students' well-being, being able to express themselves, being able to be seen and heard. But there's a lot of underlining issues that students are coming into school with. As I did, I did mention poverty. I did mention homelessness. Um, but there are a lot of societal issues that students um, are being impacted by. And we are talking about the social emotional health. We're talking about mental health. Our education system does not address any of those issues, but yet and still we are faced with those issues every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think um, on a higher level um, that we need to really be take a, a deeper dive, a deeper look into our education system in New York State. Um, I do think restorative um, justice or restorative practice is a way that we can because it allows people to have a voice in the process um, to designate the change. And my last thing I, is I did want to comment, um, we don't do a cookie cutter for every school district. Um, just like Janelle said, every school district is different. We have a framework of a plan that we work with people about some benchmarks that we think Mm -hmm. if you want to implement restorative practice with fidelities, you should hit these. But then we also really take into account the community and the community that you want to build and what's working well. Seven, I mean, um, the seven habits of highly effective students are, are is a great way uh, to pair with restorative yes, practice. It's a second step. There's a lot of great things that already um, pair with um, restorative practices. And so we work with schools to say what is working well and how do we pair this it's, with It's what's a culture well. change. And I think culture change is really challenging. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what she's helped us navigate that and how to get people people to think differently, how to put like, you know, be welcoming and and have people um, have this space be where everybody feels seen and heard. I think Mm -hmm. that's the ultimate goal is that there's so much going on in the world and so many people have so many challenges. And we just want to know that we're here for you, that we're here as a community to support you in whatever that might look like. Yeah. How do you meet people where they are? Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. take them where they want to go. I think that's that's, that's about (laughs) what we do. Yeah, like Dina, for example, she did uh, individual training for at three of my buildings. They get a full day training that's completely individualized. Like they get six hours. She works with the liaison. They say, okay, well, what does your team need? What does your school need? So the trainings have been completely individualized. Mm-hmm. Also, I appreciate what ECRJC has done that. And at the high school, we give them hours. We give like five or six hours to work with Dina, and mm-hmm. they can choose how they use those hours in any way. Get support maybe in a particular challenging behavior situa- situation or something like that. So they have a lot more flexibility so we've been we've she's they've been wonderful to 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 work with us to to curb the plan to meet the needs of our community and uh, i guess my my last two questions um janelle what's what's next for (laughs) chictawaga sloan school district you know, I, I think that we are we're so excited to be on this journey, and I'm so grateful for the uh, my superintendent and the the every level of my school district has committed to this, and I think that's really what has made a, a gigantic difference. So I think that what you know we're just continuing. Like our goal right now is the student 
leadership and the student voice in it, really getting the kids to own this and um, take control of this and lead this in our schools and really encourage the kids to be um, strong adults who have good mental health and are aware of, um, you know, how they can make the world better by being uh, more opening and accepting to everyone else as well. So I'm hoping that what we could do with the student training that we're doing and then building it right into our behavioral systems, that I'm hoping that we also continue to see a reduction in behavior issues and, and more support overall. So we're very excited. And, and you are on a year-to-year plan That's now? correct. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. And every year I we kind of assess where we are. I don't ever want to lose her. I keep saying, yeah. you got this, you got this. I, I keep kind of hanging on, but she keeps, and, and you know what she has, we've built the supports in though where we're, we are severing away a little bit from them because we are, we have the capability to do it on our own now. And I'm nervous for that. And I know she's always a phone call away, right. but so we will continue our relationship, but it's, it's like less easy. It, they're more like a consultant, I would say mm-hmm. at this right. point. And that's what we're going to continue to shift with is we reach out when we need help, but our people are owning this plan and they are implementing it and i i wanted to ask you you know and that's coming back to me i want to ask you like almost right off the bat like the 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 structure within the schools and the support systems within the schools you were able to to do these things with that with that support may not be so for other schools um talk to me just a little bit about that uh the support systems within the school. Well, I think it's really important like we as an administrator team have educated ourselves in this process throughout the entire thing. So we have also like you know starting with the administrative team to get them comfortable with the the concepts and the idea like almost training them in this is really important too mm-hmm. because what we want is that they're setting the tone for their overall building as well. So they have to be a little bit more vulnerable. They have to, you know, try these things out and and maybe every once in a while show that like the the when they're in a circle with the teachers and kind of open themselves up to that. So I think by us supporting the principals and like they whatever they need to get more comfortable to implement this in their building, we're supporting them as well. And I think that had like very helpful that we do that as in our administrative um, any of our meetings, as I was saying, start off in that. So it shows value of that that the principals right. see that as well. Um, so you know, it's getting the principals super comfortable with this and the faculty and staff to get it. But I think they have to be a part of the process along the way. Way. And I think that's been really critical. I, I'm just going to um, uh, add one other thing because Janelle is a grant researcher guru. <laughs> and if she does not have the funding to be able to support, like, liaisons, like, she has the idea of having a paid um, stipend payment yes, yeah. uh, liaison in every building so that people have a direct resource in every building. That's funding that Janelle looks for. So yeah. she looks for the funding the where the budget creative. lacks in order to make sure that this program also works Grants too. Grants have been tremendous yeah. in helping us get this off. You know, is that we find ways like, basically it's like, where do we need? Where do we want to go next? And how do we find the money to ha- make That's that right. happen? And like I said, the superintendent's been super supportive. We've gotten all the funding that we've needed between the school and the grants as well. Uh, we got about two minutes left. I want to ask you, Dina, what's next for you and Erie County Restorative Justice Coalition? Well, <laughs> I think that's a, a good question. We will continue to work with schools. We are also um, really trying to draw a circle around addressing many issues that young people are facing, right? Yes. We are, as I mentioned before, seeing an increase in youth homelessness, an increase of youth entering into our um 
uh, criminal justice system. And so, and an increase of youth, unfortunately, being suspended from school. We're seeing a direct correlation um, mm-hmm. in these things because ECRJC not only works with schools, but we uh, have a diversion program in partnership with the DA's office and police department called the three-part series. Um, we are also working in two residential centers, similar to shifting culture within school systems. We're looking to shift cultures within uh, the residential centers. So we work with two residential centers and our local Erie County Youth Secure Center to, again, shift that culture, giving youth voice, centering the voice of youth so they can get the resources that they need um, to address some of the behaviors or challenges and barriers that they're facing so they don't reoffend. So we have a lot of things um, in the works. We are also hosting a youth summit coming up this spring, um, really trying to center uh, the voice of youth, talking about youth sustainability, mental health, and um, uh, ending the school to prison pipeline. So there's a lot in store. I for know us. a little bit about that. <laughs> Maybe done a little bit of work on that. Well, it'll be good to, to circle back on that. Absolutely. Awesome. You've been listening to What's Next. I want to thank my guests, Erie County Restorative Justice Coalition Executive Director Dina Thompson and Cheektowaga Sloan School District Assistant Superintendent Janelle Finn. This is WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown your NPR station.